All right. Well, thank you. Good morning, Renew. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. As he said, uh, my name is Kyle. I am the lead pastor over at Cedarbrook Church in Menominee, Wisconsin. Uh, my family and I have been there, boy, it's almost been uh, 12 years that we've been uh, living in Menominee. It feels like crazy fast. And Pastor Jamie and I uh, actually go way back. So if you want some like dirt on Jamie to like hold over his head, we've been friends for like 20 plus years to all of our youth ministry days way back. I could share some details with you after, but it is good to be with you today. I want to take just a quick second uh, to introduce my family. I forgot to put a picture of them in the slideshow because I thought, well, everybody at Cedarbrook knows what they look like. And so, while you won't get to see them, I want to tell you a little bit about them uh, because you'll hear about a few of them in the message in just a minute. So my wife, Anna, and I, we've been married just over 20 years, and we have four sons, so our life is absolutely hectic and crazy every single day of the year. We have a 16-year-old, 15-year-old, 13-year-old, and 10-year-old, and on any given day, they are busier than any people I've ever met in my entire life. I typically leave for the church office at about 8 a.m., and before I leave, my two high school kids have already been to a football football workout, a basketball workout, and a lifting session, and our home going back to bed in the morning. Then in the evening, we take off for baseball, and it is all hectic. So uh, last week, I got an opportunity to get out of town with all of them for like four nights, and we went boating up on a lake in northern Minnesota. So I come well-rested and eager to preach God's Word this morning. It is super good to be with you. Uh, Well, has anybody in the room ever said this phrase? Have you ever heard yourself saying these words? You'd say, I have to see it to believe it. Anybody ever want, you want to admit to saying a phrase, someone like that. Maybe you said something like that when one of your kids came to you with an unbelievable story. For me, this happens, as I said, I got four boys, uh, and a few summers ago, we decided to rip out our deck and put in uh, a 40 by 40 concrete patio in our backyard that would also serve as a half-court basketball court. Uh, And so we drew the lines into the concrete and everything, and my boys will come running inside to tell me about some, like, dude-perfect-style trick shot that they just nailed where they kick the ball off the chimney and it goes into the basket, and they want me to believe it. And I'm like, yeah, boys, like... I'd have to see it to believe it. I can't, I can't take your word for this. Uh, so I go outside and they kick the ball and it like ends up in the neighbor's yard or something. Like it just, we, we're not believing people by nature. Maybe you say things like, I have to see it to believe it when you hear a, from a friend about an unbelievable news story and you just can't take it for granted. As humans, we tend to be people who want some kind of proof. We need to see a photo or a video or we need to get something given to us that will prove beyond any shadow of a doubt, that what we are being told is indeed true. We're kind of skeptics. By nature, as humans, we're skeptical. We have a hard time believing without seeing. 
The truth is, for most of us as humans, seeing is believing. We don't often want to believe anything until we see it or experience it first. But yet, what if I were to tell you this morning, what if I were to stand right here and tell you that the Bible, and when I say the Bible, I mean the Bible cover to cover, God's entire story from creation up until this very moment. What if I told you God's entire story and scripture teach the opposite? God's entire story, the entire Bible, all of history from creation until right now teach the opposite. It teaches that seeing is not necessarily believing. If we examine scripture from beginning to end, from start to finish, from Genesis to Revelation, what we'll actually discover is that seeing is not actually believing at all. What we begin to start to discover is that listening is far more important than seeing. Listening is far more important and more vital than seeing. But listening for God's people, for the, for the Hebrew people, for God's original people, listening meant something far different than it does for us today. So that's where we're at in our Need to Know series. We're in the final week here at Renew of Need to Know, eight Hebrew words that we believe you need to know to get, or understand God's love for you in a deeper and more full way. So our word today is listen, or in Hebrew, shema. Our need to know word of the day is shema. It's such a simple word, but yet this is one of the most foundational words for the Hebrew people. In fact, shema to listen was so foundational to the Hebrew people that it was built into a prayer. It was created as a way to live life and it was taught to the Hebrew people from a very young age. Every little boy and every little girl in the Hebrew nation would learn the prayer of Shema. They were recited day in and day out. The Hebrew people called this the Shema because it was teaching from Moses on how to listen. So here it is. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 gives us the Shema, what it means to listen. Moses says, hear, O Israel... Hear, O Israel, or listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Now, don't miss this. In, in the text, we hear, hear, O Israel, and it's not H-E-R-E, it's H-E-A-R. Some translations say, listen, O Israel, and others say, listen, and whether it's translated hear, H-E-A-R, or listen, the Hebrew word that would have been used in that instance was shema, to hear or to listen, translated into the English language as hear and listen. We don't get really a full picture of what shema is all about. Our English translation for this word really does not do it justice. The, the word Shema, yes, it does mean to hear. It does mean to listen. 
But it's something more than that. Shema is more than just about receiving the command in our ears, hearing it. Shema includes the next step of actually following through on what you've been instructed to do. So Shema, to hear, to listen, includes the effect of listening on our lives. It's not just being willing to hear what somebody has to say. It includes the follow-through step, the act of hearing. So Shema, to listen, to hear, is actually obeying what you've heard. So to put it succinctly, I think what the Bible teaches us is this. Shema is to hear. To hear is to obey. The two, they go hand in hand. And now I know what you might be thinking. I know you're thinking about kind of like elbow poking that person next to you like, this is going to be a good one. This is for you. This, this is, remember all those times when I like tell you I said something and you say I didn't ever hear that? Yeah, he's talking to you today. I'm telling you, don't do it. It's not worth it. It's not going to go well at all. I know you're thinking that if you have high school-aged kids or middle school-aged kids, you want them to shema way more often than they're willing to do. You want them to not only hear the words that you're saying to them, but you want them to follow through on what they do. And that's what Moses is telling the people. He introduces this prayer of Shema, the Shema, to his people by saying, Shema, listen. Because what I am about to tell you, the next phrase after this, is what I actually want you to do. I don't want you to just take this in and let it go out the other side. I want you to follow through on what you are doing. This is not Moses doing like a mic check when he's saying, listen, hey, check, check, one, two, three, are you there? Can you hear me renew? Moses isn't saying that. Moses is saying, Shema, hear these next words and then do them. So Moses, he says, Shema, O Israel, listen, O Israel, hear the words that I am speaking to you and then put them into practice every single day for the rest of your life. And he goes on in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, like this. So Shema, O Israel, listen, O Israel, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And you must commit yourself to whole, wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving to you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as a reminder. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is what Mo Moses was urging his people to do. He was saying, Shema, listen and follow through. Begin to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with everything that is within you. 
And this was the prayer of Shema. Little Jewish boys, little Hebrew boys, little Hebrew girls would have been growing up day in, day out saying these very words, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Commit yourself to wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you. And while scripture never captures Jesus saying these very words. Scripture doesn't actually tell us that he prayed this prayer. I have no doubt that Jesus, being the good little boy that he was, growing up in this religious tradition that the Hebrew people had, he would have learned this prayer. And these words would have no doubt come out of Jesus' mouth. So Moses taught them to the Hebrew people. Moses taught them to Shema to follow through on what they had heard. And Jesus, being taught this prayer when he was a boy, he taught it to his followers later. In Jesus' most famous teaching, it was known as the Sermon on the Mount. He was delivering his message to a massive crowd on the mountainside. All kinds of people had gathered to listen to him. People from all towns and all the countrysides had come His audience was huge. And look at one of his audience members, Matthew, recorded Jesus teaching what Moses had taught in the Old Testament to the Hebrew people about Shema. He captures Jesus teaching it in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27 says this. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a wise person who builds his house on solid rock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand when it rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Jesus Jesus is teaching Shema to his disciples. Jesus is teaching Shema to his followers as he's giving the Sermon on the Mount. He's saying, listen to what I'm telling you and do it. When you listen and do it, it's like building your life on the solid foundation that is Jesus versus the sand that our world has to offer But this teaching isn't Jesus' only teaching on Shema. This isn't the only glimpse that we get of Jesus understanding Shema and teaching it to his people in the moments right after Jesus was resurrected. We sang about that song just a little bit ago. After he was resurrected from the grave, as in Jesus was dead, he was buried, he was defeated by death. And then he defeated death by rising again. When Jesus appeared to his disciples, we get this fascinating exchange between Jesus and one specific disciple where he is teaching again on Shema. We see this interaction when Jesus is interacting with his disciple that was known by the name Thomas. We often know him as Doubting Thomas, right? You see, Thomas wasn't with all the disciples when they came across Jesus after he was resurrected the very first time. Jesus had appeared to many of the disciples, and the disciples run to tell the rest of their friends. And when they get to see Thomas, Thomas says, Jesus, he's alive? (laughs) I have to see it to believe it. 
I have to see it to believe it. John chapter 20, verse 25 records it this way. But he, Thomas, but he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and I put my fingers into them. And if I place my hands inside the wound on his side, (laughs) the disciples, they're excited They come running to the rest of their friends, to their family, to proclaim that Jesus has done it just as he said he would. And Thomas says, nah, I don't believe it. No way. It can't be. I saw with my own eyes Jesus was dead. He was buried. I watched him roll the stone into place. There's guards at the tomb. There's no way that Jesus has risen. I got to see it to believe it. And eventually, eventually Jesus shows up to Thomas and he shows up to the disciples again and he reveals himself to Thomas. And what does Jesus do? He reaches his hands out and he invites Thomas to see the wound in his hands and touch the wound in his side so that he would believe. And Thomas touches the wound in his side and he believes Thomas responds by saying, wow, it's really you. Lord, it is really you. And look how Jesus responds. Jesus responds with a teaching on Shema in John chapter 20, verse 29. Then Jesus told him, Thomas, you believe because you have seen me. But blessed are those who believe without seeing. You see, seeing is not believing. Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. When I consider what Jesus is saying here, along with what he said on the Sermon of the Mount and what Moses had taught his people generations before this, Here's what I think you and I can learn from this teaching that the Bible gives us on Shema. Jesus and Moses both are teaching a similar point. They are saying that seeing, seeing is not believing. Instead, what they're teaching is hearing is what equals believing and believing equals obedience. Obeying. What Moses wanted his people to understand, what Jesus wanted his followers and you and I to understand, is that our commitment to God, our commitment to God and to developing our faith needs to be active. It needs to be demonstrated by how we choose to live our lives and follow through on what we've heard each and every day, regardless of the reaction we get, regardless of seeing is believing. We don't need that in our lives. Now, here's another way to maybe understand this teaching. Here's another way to understand this teaching that hearing is believing and believing is obeying, but seeing is not at all believing. 
I mean, now I told you I have a 16-year-old and a 15-year-old, and that means I have one son with a driver's license and a second son with a driver's permit. And any of you who are parents and have helped teach your children how to drive a car, you know that at the age of 16 and 15, they are far superior drivers to anybody in the entire world. They know every rule, every regulation, and they are sure to point it out to you whenever you break it, right? Like if you've gone through this, you understand maybe just a little of the pain that I'm dealing with. But learning to drive happens in two phases. One, we do the classroom style learning and two, we learn from behind the wheel. I mean, we all can read a manual on how to drive a car. We can even have somebody else read us the manual or your computer will probably read it out to you. You can ask Siri or Alexa to tell you how to drive a car and at some level you will understand a little of what it's like to drive a motor vehicle. But we don't really understand how to drive a car until we get behind the wheel. This was never more evident to me than my recent teaching with my son, Micah. He's my second oldest. He's 15 years old. And he had just finished his classroom portion of learning. He did not yet have his driver's permit. But I took him in my truck to a very large parking lot near our home at a local church, not Cedarbrook, but one of the other churches in our town. And as he got behind the wheel, those first herky-jerky moments of him learning to drive a vehicle where he pushed the gas way too hard and then followed through by pressing the brake with his left foot way too hard, and we slammed forward to a stop, and I had to give him a little lesson. We realized that when we know something up here, but we haven't lived it out, we haven't really made it a part of our life. So I had to tell my son, I said, Micah, you can't press the brake with your left foot. You need to use the correct foot. And he says, well, I know I learned in class that you use your right foot for both the gas and the brake, but I thought it would be simpler to use both. And I said, yeah, I mean, I get your logic. It seems simpler until you drive a car with a clutch, to which he asked, what's a clutch? And I realized that book learning only gives us so much of what we need to know. Just like driving a car, first we heard about the rules of the road and how to drive a car, and then we actually got behind the wheel of a car and we learned so much more so fast. And I want to suggest this morning that the same is true for many parts of our lives. It's the same process in so many areas of our life, including our faith. Most of us are here in this room today because we want to grow our faith. We want to develop our relationship with Jesus. We want to go further in our experience with God. But the mistake that most of us make, the mistake that 
at least some of us will admit to making this morning is that we are convinced that sitting here in in these seats today is all we need to do to hear and understand what God is teaching us. We're convinced that sitting in church on Sunday, hearing and listening to Pastor Jamie or myself give a message is all that matters in our faith relationship. We get the hearing part of Shema. We get the listening part of Shema. But often, we fall oh so short of the doing part. We pat ourselves on the back for showing up to church on Sunday morning, for participating in a small group throughout the week. We often brag about how many podcasts we listen to and how many sermons of other pastors we can crowd into our week between Sundays. And we brag about that to our friends. We tune in online throughout the week and we act like that in and of itself, hearing a good message, learning learning more, listening as often as possible is the goal of faith. But that's simply not true. It's simply not true. Deep down, I think we all know that the goal of faith is not just about listening, not even close. And under the guise of spiritual depth, under the guise of spiritual depth, we pretend that listening, in taking good material, is what being a good Christian is all about. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people comment about our church, Cedarbrook. And I think they make similar suggestions about Renew in talking to Pastor Jamie over the time. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say about churches like Cedarbrook and Renew, oh, they're not deep enough for me. They're not deep enough for me. I mean, a welcoming environment with cool music that I actually want to listen to and will play on the radio throughout my week. Uh, An awesome cafe downstairs where I can drink coffee and chat with friends before and after the service. Teachings that I can understand and apply to my life in the moment and actually do something with. Well, that can't be deep enough. That's, That's not deep. Now, I might get in trouble. Jamie might never invite me back. I might make you mad and I might make other churches mad, but stick with me for just a moment. Too many people who have this attitude about churches like Renew or churches like Cedarbrook are the same people who say things like, I've, I've heard it all before. I've heard a message about Shema before. I've, I've heard a message about listening to the teachings of Jesus and applying them to my life. And don't build your house on the sand, but build it on the rock foundation. But I want more. I want deeper. What they often want, what people who say they want, quote unquote, deeper are often looking for, What they're often looking for is more knowledge, more information, a deeper theological understanding, but they fairly rarely want to make any true change in their life to follow Jesus' teaching and actually live a life that loves God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
Now let me say this. I'm not at all against going deep. I'm not at all against going deep to understand scripture, to know theology at a super deep level, understanding God in ways that no one before us has ever done it. I am all for that. But here's the problem. Spiritual maturity is not about knowing more. Spiritual maturity is not about listening to more messages. It's not about hearing more information. No, spiritual maturity, as far as I'm concerned, is about the fruits of our faith. Spiritual maturity isn't just about knowing more. It's about the fruits of our faith and doing what we are commanded to do. I'm not saying to stop listening to worship music on your drive to work or tune out all those good Christian podcasts that you've maybe downloaded, but I am saying that those are not the goal. Those aren't the end-all, be-all that Jesus or anyone in Scripture ever taught about. That is not what Scripture calls us to. The problem that I'm speaking about, now I'm just speaking from my own experience. Maybe you've experienced something like this. The problem is that most people who want this deeper, most people who will brag about the 157 Christian podcasts that they listen to and the 42 pastors that they have downloaded on their phones... They don't want to apply any of it. Those are the same people who often will not take even the smallest nugget of truth that they've learned that week and apply it to their life. These people who want deeper are the people who understand that Scripture says in Ephesians, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And those people are the same people who seem to always be quarreling with their neighbors and their spouses and their coworkers always in tension with those people. The people who want deeper are the same people who understand that Scripture tells us to sacrificially give of the blessings that God has given to us back to his ministry. And those are the same people who hear about a 90-day challenge here at Renew and say, nah, not for me. Not only do they not give to their church, they don't give to any Christian ministry anywhere because they're all about themselves. They're the same people who understand that Proverbs chapter 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, yet when they're in trouble, turn to social media, not scripture, to find out what they should do. Now renew. I want you to hear me. What this, what this all demonstrates is that All too often, we are willing to get the first part of Shema right. We're willing to get the listening, the hearing part of Shema. We do that all the time. We get the information taking in part correct. Many of us, myself included, listen to Christian podcasts and sermons all week long and we pat ourselves on the back for hearing them, but Shema is not just about listening, it's about doing. It's about following through on what we have heard. Sometimes, 
Sometimes the most spiritually deep thing that you can do, the most spiritual exercise that you could have is to take some little nugget of truth that you hear from the message here on Sunday morning, that you read in scripture when you're reading by yourself. And do it. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is to do that little thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor. Serve, give, forgive, honor, and sacrifice for others. Doing what Scripture has commanded us is not necessarily simple, but it is Shema. It is Shema, I think Shema, hearing and obeying what we hear, well, this could be the difference between the faith that we have right now and the faith in God that we want to have. If you found yourself coming into this room today, coming to church, saying, I want something more from my faith journey, I want something deeper, well, Shema. Shema, O renew, listen and obey to what God is calling you to. And I promise that your faith journey, your relationship with God will go to a level that it has never been before. So let me close by saying this. Let me close by saying this to you. Shema, O renew, listen, renew. Listen to the truth that God has for you and put it into practice today. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with everything that is within you. Doing what we have been commanded to do. When we wholeheartedly commit ourselves to doing what God has taught us in Scripture When we not only hear it with our ears, but we internalize it and obey it in our lives, then we're living the life that God has created for us to live. Will you join me for a word of prayer? Father God, we thank you for this lesson this morning. We thank you for the word Shema. We thank you that you have taught it to us throughout Scripture and that you've made following you quite simple. It's not about rules and regulations. It's not about standing up and following a group of people. God, it's simply about hearing what you have called to us, what you have asked of us, and then actually doing it. God, will you give us the courage to this week hear and obey? Will you give us the courage to Shema? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. I just wonder 